I think that the most important element is not that I'm a fantastic carrier of any cultural... I'm more of a improviser and more like, you know, playing around, fooling around, which for me is the key to be doing music after all these years. Hello, my name is Helge. Helge Norbakken, for those of you fluent in Norwegian. I play percussion. I'm kind of a session musician. I've been a part of the Sivan since the beginning. My work field is normally between improvised music and different types of ethnic <laughs> music. I borrow a lot of sound from other music cultures. I'm not at all the master of any of those uh, cultures. My concept is a little bit to try to utilize the sounds that I can find and uh, sort of point to other possibilities than the normal uh, drums that is around where I live. On this project I mainly play an African instrument that doesn't sound like an African instrument anymore because I did something bad to it. It's a djembe, a West African djembe, that I put a lot of water because it's natural goatskin on it. So if you put water, you reduce the tension of it and you use that to mount the skin in the first place. And then normally you would never put water on it because it destroys the, the, the skin eventually. But not immediately. So I need a drum that has a lot of low end. Low end to me is kind of bass frequency. Uh, so the, the depth. I, uh, I, I want to uh, be able to play around with the bass parts. Uh, or if there is no bass part, I want to assume there is a bass part, but it's going to be quite unmelodical in a way because I don't have real notes in my instrument. There's happening two other very nice things at the same time when you reduce the tension and you you get a lower tuning and one of them is that you lose some of the overtones and in the overtones is normally that sound that identify the instrument as a part of a culture. So when you lose that it gives me a little bit more freedom to blend for instance, with Pedram, my colleague, playing the, the, the Persian uh, tumbak. So, because his instrument then has more overtones than me, if I use mine carefully and sort of pack it into and around his playing, it can sound like uh, enhancing his voice without uh, giving away which is my instrument. Um, and another thing that is happening is that when you lose the tension like that, it's easy, controllable pitch-wise. So I can use that uh, water drum uh, like a talking drum in a way. I can tune it and assume it is a bass, even if the pitch is not perfect. It will have movements up and down if I want. Plus, it takes preparation, uh, I mean, putting 
other materials on top of it, making it dis somewhat distorted or triggering um, sounds in in a gong or in a in a cymbal. Yeah, that's what I normally do. But also in brushes, that you get the kind of sound where the drum sound uh, is coloring another sound that I put on top of the drum and vice versa. So you get a kind of uh, contagious situation where the two elements uh, sort of affects each other. And I can choose, if, if I'm lucky, I can choose uh, more or less wisely to blend that into a, a situation with the other with the other instruments, if they use a lot of overtones, I can add to that, or I can I can take away all my overtones and and work you know, on, on another level. In the West African drum tradition, it is a polyphonic tradition. I'm speaking mainly about Wolof tradition of Senegal and Gambia. It's two concepts basically in that music. If I there to be so intellectual. One is, of course, the polyphonic part that is uh, patterns on top and in intertwined in each other, but it has this kind of totally unison activities here and then. And that kind of duality always fascinated me. Not always, but since I got to know it. And then the, the, the music, the drum music became thematic in a way, if not melodic. And that thematic meant more to me than, than just the improvising, because I mean, if two or three or 15 people does the same thing, you get the impression that, shit, they mean it, <laughs> that this is serious. And I, I know that Jon was fascinated by the same thing. So we discussed for many, many, uh, many times in jazz festivals, the, the possibility to, to form an ensemble with investigating that kind of attitudes. This is the band called Batagraf, which still exists. I grew up in a family where music was our hobby, let's say. My mother and father was a part of a kind of Christian community where uh, the only playing around situation with no rules was the music. It wasn't that strict in our home, but we had a hobby to me is uh, our, our family is my father that plays guitar and sings. My mother played uh, organ or accordion or piano. And I have three brothers and a sister. Uh, and we would travel around in the weekends uh, we would travel around and on the Saturday we would play in old people's home songs that were uh, not Christian, you know, this everyday songs about life and uh, take care of the planet and uh, uh, stuff like that. And then we would stay overnight at the, at the pastor in the, in, the, in the local church and we would play at the, the service the next day. So my childhood was full of touring, actually, with my my family. And uh, I mean, I didn't know until late in the teenagers. I didn't know that music was something that you could have as a profession. It was just like uh, it was what we were doing. 
In, in the family band, I played drums and my brother played bass, uh, father guitar, mother piano or the like. And my other, others were singing. And I remember one of my brothers was so jealous that we got sheet music. So my mother gave him a, a, a magazine, the Donald Duck magazine, that he was reading upside down just to pretend that he was also reading music. <laughs> no, yeah, and in the, of course in the teenagers, uh, at a certain time, we, we, we stopped that activity. But I was still playing in choirs, but also dance music in bands, paying for my first drum kit and all that. It was actually an accident, but uh, suddenly I auditioned to the, the Jazz Academy in Trondheim and I got a place and I, I mean, from that moment I, I never actually felt that I was really uh, excellent, but I, I thought I had so much fun, so I thought, okay, I don't know if this will work, but at least I can give it my best, my best for a year or, or another year or so, yeah. I studied um, uh, drum set improvisation, like in a jazz style, like the, the, the evergreens and also a little bit more modern stuff. Uh, I was rather uh, discouraged by all the pra practicing of, of um, patterns and all these patterns you needed to know before. I mean, you have to master these 6,348 patterns and then you can create your own personality it was a very depressing situation for me. So I got in contact with a Turkish guy in Trondheim and he would teach me a little bit Darbuka, which I still to this day cannot play. But the fun thing was that before playing it, I had to sing it. Doom, doom, take it, doom, doom, take it, doom, doom, take it, doom, doom, take it, doom, doom, take it. And just that idea that, hey, this phrase, you know, sort of means something. I got fascinated by that. The darbuka is an Arabic instrument uh, found all over the Arabic world, which is an hourglass-shaped drum with a very thin skin, quite high-pitched. In the beginning it was fish skin or lizard skin, I think. But uh, in the later years they used nowadays plastic, which is more stable. It's very high-pitched, has a lot of overtones, but has also a, 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 maybe not extremely deep, but a very clear bass, bass note. And uh, it can be a solistic instrument, but it's most of the time used to accompany other, uh, other music. I didn't pursue a career in, in Tarbuka playing, but some years later, when I, I was finished with the academy and I, I got a job in the World Music Band with a Laplander Sami singer uh, called Mari Boyne, she was looking for not a, not a drummer, but a percussion player. And I, I, I tried to learn some of it. And there it started, actually, before... In the beginning, I didn't realize that it was going to change uh, the way I was drumming. But I was intrigued by the idea that th that what I do on the drums could pr assume that it means something, that it uh, was a part of a, how to say, it could make believe it's a part of a tradition somehow.
as I would listen to the African music, not understanding anything of it, but it still made sense to me, even without the knowledge that they had. So I, I try to play in a way that it could be that they just don't understand that this is from a very important tradition in uh, a small car demolishing uh, uh, village in Norway. The, the, the others don't know that this is a big tradition. After 10 years with that, uh, coming back to the more improvised music, because this world music band was a bit more... Um, improvisation was not a, a, a huge part of the performances. The, the, the developing of the material was, but in the concerts it was more like keeping stable grooves and evolving the grooves with changing the timbres slowly. Uh, yeah, like a typical world music band, even if, I mean, I thought it was quite good and we toured everywhere. Coming back to the improvised music, uh, I realized that hey, I don't have a vocabulary to improvise on these instruments, but I don't want to leave these instruments behind because I've gotten used to the, the, the sound of them and uh, what I could do with them. Uh, and I thought they, in many ways, was easier to fit into an ensemble because you wouldn't have this high-pitched cymbal or, or hi-hat or snare drum that would sort of dominate the, the whole sound pictures all the time. I mean, I know there's different levels that you could learn to play softer or to even stop playing the hi-hat. <laughs> but it was just so much more interesting to play this alternative setup. And it took me some years to, 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 to practice improvisation, how to, how to, how to improvise on, on this. Uh, I'm sure it took uh, 10 years. But it's a situation which I'm very happy with today because I think I have, I, I have a very good possibility of blending in and, and, and making statements in a lot of different kinds of music. And it gives me a lot of, of, of pleasure. Just, even just the idea that, hey, I, I don't have to be... You know, I think of the drum set like a orchestra in a way you have the, the the all the bass sounds you have all the high pitch the cymbal sounds the sustains and you you're sort of all over the place with that with just the idea to have one part of a of a of a piece with just one drum i mean i mean if you do that on a regular drum set it will work fantastic then you will really hear the contrast from that one voice uh, instrumentated part and coming to the full orchestra, let's say, which the drum set is. So, so I mean, it opened up so many, so many doors for my, my imagination. Uh, my situation today is that, I mean, I, I, I'm still a touring musician, even if uh, the corona situation has uh, uh, made me aware of that uh, happiness for me is not necessarily sleeping uh, 220 days a year in a different city where I live. I want to travel less, I want to do fewer concerts, 
but I don't want to miss that situation. I mean, I, I know very well that I am privileged and I have had and still have the privilege to play with very nice musicians. And, uh, and I'm very grateful to that. I would love to keep doing some of that, but I'm very happy to, to have a situation now where I'm not traveling as much. So I'm teaching in the Academy of Göteborg and the Academy of Oslo, multitasking different rhythms, singing one, stomping and clapping another, to, to, to prepare for the polyphonic situations. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is exactly nerdy enough for a drummer to to be happy without having to always sleep away from from home. I don't know how many years I still have with touring, but uh, I doubt that I have more than ten years. So I want the the last ten to be really good. Uh, I'm, go I'm going to definitely enjoy it. Uh, but I also want to enjoy uh, a family life. Um, what music means, well, that's, I mean, Corona really taught me a lesson. I was probably a bit tired before Corona without realizing it, that it has been a high pressure uh, over a few decades. But, I mean, the, those situations where you are on stage with somebody and it happens stuff that even if you know the music and you know the other musician, you don't understand how could this, how could this happen? Uh, what did, what did we do that made it happen? It couldn't have been us. It must have been something else. Uh, that, that's that situation where, uh, where the music sort of is bigger than the musicians that it's just by that that magic that can happen if you keep on doing it with the same people for a long time it can just happen stuff that is uh, you just have to you're sort of sitting at the station watching the train and, and uh, be thankful for, for being so close to it um, and it is definitely also uh, i mean uh, something that it has so many layers you can you can s study and dig deeper and find new details that you never thought you would uh, that you never thought was there and just by persistence and staying uh, investigating and trying it out this way that way with this person with that person you discover something that is taking the all the all the focus away from all trivial stuff that is also in our our lives. I think that's a a fantastic uh, gift to have a hobby. <laughs> to 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 you can find so much so much interesting things to discover and, and develop. <laughs>